Welcome to It's Your Community with Vanessa Denha, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to It's Your Community. I'm Vanessa Denha-Garmo here. My next guest is a psychotherapist with a business consulting practice that helps companies improve the health of the workplace environment, resolving workplace conflict among team members, executive employee coaching, facilitating succession planning issues, stress among the management team, and helping companies as well as individual employees work through all the emotional and workplace issues caused by COVID. David Stanislaw is the principal of Stanislaw Consulting and is one of the partner companies of the Jane Group. Camille Jane, who's been a guest on the show here before, recommended I talk with him. And it was a great recommended recommendation, David. Thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So let's talk about COVID because that is still very top of mind in the country and uh, here in the state of Michigan. And you have, I'm sure, have been a great service to your clients through this pandemic and just navigating through all this stress. Can you speak to us about that? It really has been uh, a really incredible time for all of us. The biggest problem is that most of us have not really been able to recognize how stressed we are. So that, you know, it, it really catches the fear center of our brain. And it's Darwinian in its um, impact on us. In other words, the threat of death, the threat of serious injury and illness uh, has been at hand for all of us since we became aware and were able to understand what's going on. So much of my work with leaders in, in business has been helping them be aware of the emotion in themselves and in their people within their organization. That's been the floor of much of my work over the last year. Mm -hmm. uh, the difficulty has been, of course, that many people deny the seriousness of it. Many people, even though they're experiencing physical symptoms they've never experienced before, they still have trouble acknowledging it. So, Part of my uh, approach has always been to help leaders and others in the business community recognize the primary quality of emotion in our mental life, that reason, thinking, understanding, follow our emotion. So helping leaders understand that allows them to be able to appreciate how part of their emotional being is being captured by this fear and it's limiting some of their ability to perform. You make a really good point, uh, David, is that people don't even recognize their stress or the level of their stress. Is that tend to be human nature that people don't always see the stress that they're experiencing or is COVID really uh, exasperated that? Well, I, I think it's, it's really accelerated that for a lot of people. Um, it's, I, I think it's quite normal, quite common, that people underestimate the stress they're under. We have powerful mechanisms that are not conscious that allow us not to see things in our mind that are going on. Things that are distasteful, that are unpleasant to us, that are injuring our sense of self-esteem, for example, mm. we don't tend to see very easily. And so this important fear, if you will, which I think has been the cornerstone of just about everybody's life over the past year, uh, has been poorly recognized until we begin to see it, you know, move to the, uh, should we say, the, the, the rear of the bus, if you will, 
when we can see that there's some relief, um, then we can say, well, wow, I feel so much better now. Yeah. I, I can attest to that too. I remember the beginning, like everybody else, we didn't know what was going on. And you're like, what is this COVID-19? What is coronavirus? How is it affecting us? And the, the, the fact that hospitals were packed and people, everything was shutting down. I mean, we experienced something none of us have gone through. And um, in the beginning, we're all like, what is happening? <laughs> um, and so I think you're right. A year later, uh, I can sense a sigh of relief uh, in myself and my own clients and the work that I do. You sense that side of, side of like, okay, we're moving past this now. The vaccine's out. We're slowly going outside. How has that impacted the work environment? Well, it's interesting because I think it's affected in, in a variety of ways. Um, one of them is, is that there's now kind of a cleavage in many of the companies I've worked with between the employees who are anxious to get back and those who feel like they want to continue to work at home or work remotely, if you will, uh, exclusively. Um, and much of this has little to do with what I'm going to say is their, their, their most proper placement in terms of what their organization needs. This is generally not true for owners, CEOs, and, and upper management. They tend to feel very much that they need to get back into the workplace. But the cleavage, I think, is developed between some employees and what the organization is really saying, this is what we need you to do. So it's introduced some conflict and some stress between owners and managers and some of their employees. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, how did working from home um, early on help or maybe hinder work production? What were you seeing when people started to go home, work from home? Well, I think initially there was a great sigh of relief that many people could continue in their job, you know, not have uh, necessarily their income uh, reduced at all, and they could work from home. Uh, but I think very quickly, uh, many people began to see, well, you know, we're not, we're not gathering around the water cooler anymore and talking about, you know, each other, our kids, uh, what's happened with, uh, with other employees and so on. And so that, that kind of neurological centering of our social uh, connections, uh, you know, became more frayed and for Many people, particularly those who live alone, uh, you know, that isolation had a big impact on what I'm going to say is their overall sense of well-being. It really has hindered uh, a lot of teamwork. Now, there are ways of working with that. And there's an interesting new book that's coming out about working remotely, uh, authored by a couple of people that I know fairly well. And... Uh, I think we're going to see some strategies and some ways of helping people work remotely that really helps with some of these more central human problems of, of connecting to others. So David, do you foresee your work um, involving a hybrid approach for some of your clients in terms of the workplace and um, managing uh, the stress that some will stay home and some will go back to the office? Do you kind of see that hybrid approach moving forward? Yeah, I, I do. I think that's really the consensus that I'm hearing from, from really just about everybody, that there is going to be a hybrid model going forward. And it's going to probably, uh, for example, with some of the um, wealth management companies that I'm working with currently, 
the advisors are going to be in a position where they can they can work from home more. The dilemma is that then there's a, a conflict between the people who have to be in the office all the time. And so we're helping work out policies and procedures and ways of helping people deal with the fact that some people feel like, I don't want to have to drive for 45 minutes. I've been able to stay home. I want to continue to stay home. So, you know, there's some inherent bugs that are going to have to be worked out between, you know, many individuals and their organizational leaders. But, you know, the fact is, I think that we're going to see a mix of, of at, uh, at home or, if you will, remote working and, and in the office. We're talking with David Stanislaw. He is from the Stanislaw Consulting. He is a psychotherapist with a business consulting practice. And we're talking about um, managing through COVID and the work that he does with all his clients. And David, I never thought, I've been in the radio business since the early 90s. Never would I have thought back then that I could ever uh, conduct a radio show from my home and have good air quality and not have to be in the studio. And yet, media all over the country were doing remote broadcasting. So uh, this happened in a time that we have the technology to do all the work that we needed to do with Zoom. Here I'm interviewing you uh, from my home office via Zoom that's gonna air on the radio. Uh, we're very fortunate that we have the technology uh, to do what we do. Has that helped reduce a lot of the stress that you've seen among your clients uh, as we go through this pandemic? Absolutely, so many business functions as you're pointing out can be carried on remotely. And I think that, you know, there's a, again, a, a surprising, uh, surprisingly small dent in the income of many, many companies as a result of that. I was on a, uh, a Chamber of Commerce uh, Zoom meeting yesterday morning, and most of the companies represented on that call suffered little or no loss in income and they're reporting that beginning uh, in February of this year, they're seeing uh, orders and business activity tick upward quite significantly. Wow, well, that's good to sign. Well, David, pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID as we move past this, what are some of the issues um, that you normally would see when it comes to stress and management teams? What, what causes that and how do you help uh, a clients navigate through that? You know, Vanessa, I think one of the biggest issues is that people aren't able to see the conflicts that they're involved in in the workplace. And what I mean by that is many clients that I have engagement with begin the initial call with me by saying, I've got a communication problem in my company. We need to have a half-day seminar on how to communicate. Well, I'm remembering one client that made that comment at the beginning of, of our call. And of course, the way I learn most about people is listening and asking questions. So after about 25 minutes, he was able to say, you know, I think you're right. I think there's something more going on. I think what we need to do is look at this deeper because I've got two people that are at each other's throat. Uh, it was an automotive uh, supply company, and his um, um, technical uh, director, who was an engineer from Germany, and the sales manager, who was uh, a young Italian guy, had 
moved to doing only texting and email because every time they got together, they would yell at each other hmm. and they accomplished nothing. So the, the, the underlying quote, communication issue was a huge conflict. When I got into the company, the CEO and the COO were in another huge conflict that the CEO really wasn't paying any attention to them. Hmm. And so that you had to work through those conflicts in order to address what people thought was just a communication issue. Exactly. Because yeah. given, given uh, what I'm going to say is a good relationship between two people, why wouldn't they want to sit down together in the same room and talk things out? Yeah. It's the most productive way to get things done, generally. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I noticed a lot of the work that I do and just being in the communications business is that there always is a communication breakdown that really causes problems and productivity in, in the company. And, and oftentimes there are deeper issues of people not understanding each other or valuing what the other employees bring to the table. Do you see that as an issue to the value and people don't feel valued? I hear that a lot lately, David. It's a, it's a chronic problem in business. Um, many uh, business leaders, uh, you know, are thinking of big issues, you know, the bottom line, sales, is our marketing uh, adequate, is it doing the job? And they forget sometimes about the people who are doing these things. And, you know, the psychological place that employees feel in their boss's eyes is generally like that of a child. They're not children, they're functioning obviously as adults, but emotionally they feel very dependent on the boss and they look to the boss for approval. When it doesn't come, and they may not even be aware of this, when it doesn't come to them, then they end up feeling somewhat injured and unimportant. And these slights, if you will, among the most insensitive business leaders add up over time to really being, for some people, very, very deep injuries because they're you know, reenacting earlier issues they may have had in their life. And mm -hmm. so it becomes bigger than life itself for some people. You know, feedback, whether it's you're doing a great job or, you know, you do a good job generally, but here there's a problem you've got. People want to know the whole story. They can tell when somebody's giving them only part of the truth. You're doing a great job. They also know that they're not doing everything that well. So when I work with a company, I generally help them provide feedback to everybody, including the leaders to each other. You know, that's a really good point, David. It makes me think about, you know, when you hear about when people get married, married, they bring their history with them into that marriage, right? Well, it's the same as a workplace. You bring your history to the next job and you bring that with you. So whatever insecurities and issues that you that are unresolved, you bring that to the workplace. Absolutely. You come as one person. And even though, again, and I, I keep talking about the lack of awareness, the reality is, is that when people are not aware that they're behaving toward each other in a way that's not appropriate for the circumstance, you know, that let's say your boss reminds you of a sister whom you had a very antagonistic relationship with, and you don't understand why sometimes you feel very irritated with her. Um, it helps for people to be able to talk about these issues. Talking is probably the safest, most effective meaning uh, or way to arrive at meeting 
and understanding in terms of what's going on in areas of our, our, our work life that we don't understand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, D- David Stanislaw, can you walk us through, you know, just generally for our listeners, what kind of clients do you typically work with? Are you working with business, nonprofits, small business, corporations? I mean, give us uh, some background about you and the work that you've been doing over the last few years as a psychotherapist and consultant. Well, my psychotherapy practice is quite separate from my consulting. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in that practice, I work with a variety of people. It's a part-time practice at this point. My focus in, in terms of my work life is much more on my business consulting. I've worked, frankly, with all industries uh, that one can imagine. I'm industry agnostic. Um, I think that the size of the companies have varied generally between 15 to 100 million. I've worked with a a couple of companies larger than that, and I've worked with a few smaller than that. But that's kind of my my sweet spot. And um, and do you work typically with the management team, the CEOs, the leadership, or the entire organization? Depends on the engagement. Okay. Uh, with some uh, of my engagements, I'm working only with the CEO or owner uh, on a uh, executive coaching level. So with the people I'm working with individually uh, uh, in this way, uh, they have goals uh, in terms of needing to understand how to deal with their own, what I'm going to call our emotional difficulties in the workplace. Uh, I do take on the entire organization. And it's typically in those circumstances where uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 30 or 40 million, a company has plateaued. They're no longer growing. Sales may be drooping. Employees are leaving because the company feels very stagnant. This is often an entrepreneur who's not able to move to what we call the second stage of business, where systems and processes really rule the day and duplication of efforts uh, occurs instead of having to reinvent the same thing day after day. This is a huge part of some of the small business troubles that I help companies with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So David, for people listening here uh, this morning on It's Your Community, how would they identify or recognize that they would need a service from you, like someone like you to come in and help them? What, What are they looking at? I think generally the people that are able to recognize that there's something not quite right in their organization uh, or with themselves, you know, really sophisticated, self-aware and confident leaders usually can say to themselves, I think I'm contributing to what's going wrong here. And those are the people that I can work with best. Uh, Mm -hmm. People who can't own, if you will, uh, their own limitations and difficulties are people that generally I can't work well with. Started out with some people that couldn't do that, and they they came to be able to do that much better. But you know, one has to see that I'm a force in what's going on, both to the good. I'm helping things go well, and to where things I I'm doing may not be helping the company at all. Mm-hmm. If we have a company where a leader gets feedback, and the leader can listen to feedback, that probably is the start of a potentially healthy engagement for me. Yeah. Is that lack of self-awareness coming from a place of insecurity? Sometimes. um, You know, again, self-awareness is something that 
is the luxury we believe of uh, we humans, even though we see some of it in other uh, primates. Uh, but the ability to think about what we're about and think about things that are of a much more abstract nature allow us to have that kind of insight or understanding. But we all block it in certain ways. We're defensive toward who we are because we feel like certain parts of who we are we don't like so much. But when a person can kind of grow into developing a more full awareness of who we are, that op opens up the uh, door, if you will, for us to say, well, I really have got to, I've really got to improve this. One of the people I've been working with as a, uh, a coaching client came to me because she was not aware of people's feelings in her company. She could not understand that people were saying things to her in ways that was not just purely reasonable and, and, and uh, we would say entirely rational. Hmm. Her emotional intelligence was really very impaired. Yeah. Uh, after, after a lot of coaching, after a few years of coaching, she's now the leader in her company instead of her partner in understanding the emotional communication between employees and between herself and, and the employees. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. David Stanislaus, who we're talking to on It's Your Community from the Stanislaus Consulting. He's a psychotherapist and a business, cons a business consultant. What else do you want to share with our listeners, David, about the work that you do and perhaps some <clears throat> tips that you can share with them? Anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Well, I think the, the biggest thing in my mind is first for business leaders uh, to be aware of the primary quality of emotion in all of us and recognize that whether or not we can see it easily, there's emotion working in the workplace. And our job as leaders in business is to be able to recognize things, to see things. And part of that comes from listening. We need to listen to people. Too often, as business leaders, we think we know a lot. Maybe even secretly, we think we know almost everything. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the reality is that we're all limited. Yes. And, and the goal is, in my view, to be able to take in data, listen to people, listen to employees, vendors, others whom you may be working with, and consider the notion that what they're saying to you may have some real value, even if it's very subtly stated to you. Yeah, yeah. Great information, David. Thank you so much for joining us. How can our listeners reach you? Well, I'm certainly on the web, stanislawconsulting.com. Um, I also have a, a dedicated line for my business. That's 866-222-7272. And I know I found you on LinkedIn too. So that's a great place to connect with you as well. Is that okay, David? I threw that out there. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm also on my my company is also on Facebook. So Great. I appreciate your your uh, tuning into that very much, Vanessa. Oh, my pleasure, David. It was a pleasure talking with you. I'd love to have you on again uh, as we all navigate through this uh, pandemic and, and uh, hopefully move past it. Thank you so much for sharing this insight with us. My pleasure. Thank you, Vanessa.
Any questions or comments or topics you want me to get to, please reach out to me. You can go to my website, epiphanyccc.com. That's epiphany3cs.com. And I'm all over social media as well. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Epiphany Communications and Coaching, on Twitter, on Instagram, Vanessa Denhagarmo. Reach out to me, private message me. I'd love to hear from all of our listeners. As always, we remind you to connect, communicate, and to collaborate with your community. Thanks for listening. It's your- community, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR.